I'll take days off, do I? Do I? When my number is called, I'll take plays off, do I? Do I? I'ma always give you 20 and 10. No matter how much you wanna pretend that I ain't clutch with it. I'll do the load management, maybe I can handle it. When the heat is on, I can manage it. I'm kinda like James Harden's career. I can walk whenever I feel. And that's facts. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Others Receiving Votes podcast, sponsored by M Glow. I'm your host, Lauren Woods, a.k.a. Big Low. And man, I was talking to one of my friends um, the other day, another professional athlete, former professional athlete, actually. And and we were talking about how much it sucks to get old. (laughs) No, but man, we uh, we were talking about how you know, how how much we've grown because, you know, we're watching some guys right now who are playing and, you know, these guys actually, you know, so, I mean, I, I went to, you know, I went to the, I got drafted when I was, what, 22 uh, back in 2001. And, you know, it was a couple, a couple of guys who came in um, maybe two or three years after me who's still playing right now, getting it in. I mean, like, you know, got the athleticism, not the same athleticism, but still have it. You know, skill work is great, all of that. But, you know, you just look at these players and you just see how how much they've developed over, you know, 15, 20 years. And my friend and I were talking about the same thing. You know, I started out in the NBA and then I played overseas. You know, I finished out my career overseas, but I was such a different player after I went overseas. Uh, a more mature player, a more complete player. Um in all in all facets of the game and in life, honestly, you know, emotionally, uh, intellectually, psychologically, everything was just so much more complete as I got older. Even though, um, even though I was like in my late thirties playing against dudes that were like in their early twenties and mid twenties, man, and I'm talking about like some guys that could go, and it it was it was it was tough. It was tough, man. It was tough for me to keep up, but you know, I did. I had to do. I did what I had to do, and. Uh, you know, we were just talking and, and and I was thinking about why that happens. And it doesn't always happen to everybody, but I guess the main reason it does happen to, to players is, you know, you, you got to embrace the change and embrace the, the different situations and, and, you know, embrace the new norm. And I think for me, all of that changed when I, uh, when I went overseas for the first time and that was like in 2000 and, seven 2008 and you know people have heard me say it i've said it on the show um a few times you know i i thought that i was the shit when i first went overseas and you know i almost got my butt handed to me a, a few times you know with that attitude but um you know i changed i changed quickly and i think that that was uh very early on in my career growth that i needed to help me you know become a better player and to actually help me um prolong my career I know that for a fact. And I think that, you know, just that change, that change of environment, that change of scenery, that embracing that new norm that I had, even though I, I wanted so desperately to to get back in the NBA when I um, first played overseas. And I did, actually. I actually accomplished that goal. I went overseas. I played for two years and then I wanted to get back and I actually signed back um, another year uh, after that was around, I guess, like my seventh or eighth year playing professionally, maybe eighth or ninth year. But, um, you know, it, it was all about that growth. And that's something that I think most people, they resist it. And everybody wants to be better. You know, everybody wants to, um, to be complete. Everybody wants to, you know, be more mature Um, if they know, or if they knew, I think going into it, that it would make them better in the beginning, no matter how difficult things are or how different the situation is, if you accept that, that responsibility or accept that growth at that time, you know, and it's going to make you more complete. It's going to make you more mature. And I think if people knew from the beginning then they would just accept it and do it. But what a lot of, you know, a lot of the time is you just don't trust the process. I know we, you know, that's been like a, a thing, like, like this trendy statement that, you know, people are throwing around, trust the process and whatever. But I mean, it's actually true. You know, you work on, you work on yourself, you work on 
any situation that you get thrown in, you work as hard as you can or you you do the best you possibly can to to get through that situation, you know, to get on the other side, to to get you no matter how dangerous or or how tumultuous that that crossing that bridge might be, you know, you got to do it. Because once you get on the other side, you become a better better uh, person. And in my case, I, I became a, a better player 10 times, 10 times better. You know, I, I believe I was a better player, um, you know, when I was 38, when I retired 38, 39, than I was when I was 28, 29. Now, I didn't have that same athleticism. I wish I'd have had that, you know. But anyway, enough about me. Let's get to the show. I'm super excited about this this next guest that that we have on the show. Um, not only because you know he's a he's an amazing world class basketball player. You know I, I got a chance to to see him play and actually be teammates with him when he was uh, you know in his earlier days uh, getting it in. You know balling out, balling out of control and giving everybody work. But um, you know he's still playing right now, still playing at a very high level. But it's not because of that, but also because. Um, you know, the guy comes from a different background than a lot of the guests that we've had on the show. Mostly uh, all of our guests are basketball minds, basketball players or coaches from America. And that's just one perspective. But but this guy, you know, he, he comes from uh, from Europe and, uh, you know, he has a totally different perspective. And, and we forget that everybody has this same dream. Um, you know, to you know, we got brethren all over the world that have the same dream, no matter where you're from, country, race, religion, background. We got this hoop dream, man, and, and you know, we 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 want to we want to make it to the highest level and and do something we love and get paid for it. So, uh, you know, I I can't wait for him to tell his story. You know, coming all the way from the United Kingdom, Ryan Richards. Ryan, what's up, man? What's going on, brother? It's uh, happy to be on and. Uh share my experiences, my story, man. I love it. I love it, man. And, and I'm super excited about this because, um, you know, like I said, every, you know, we all have the, the, you know, this, this dream or, or this goal to, you know, to reach it to the highest level in basketball and, and, you know, being American and, and coming from America, you know, we, we kind of get short-sighted about, you know, everybody else in the world trying to get to the NBA or everybody else in the world trying to get to the same destinations that we get to and stuff like that. So um super, super excited to, you know, for you to let everybody know your story. And, you know, I mean, we, we can just get right into it. You know, tell us a little bit about your basketball journey from the beginning, back when you were a little tyke all the way up through uh, currently to your pro career. Yeah. So basically, I'm uh as you said, Ryan Richards, I'm from the UK. Uh, my father's from Jamaica, my mother's from England, and I was born and raised here. Um, growing up, basketball wasn't a thing in England. It was all football, you know, soccer for you guys. Uh, and I never really... I'm, I'm glad you clarified that because, you know, a lot yeah. of guys would have been like, oh, y'all play football out there too? Yeah, yeah, maybe I can get in uh, some football <laughs> leagues in England. Uh, no, it's soccer. <laughs> nah, nah, nah. It's all, it's all uh, football, soccer. So I, I played that my whole... You know, from when I was five years old to I would say probably 12, 13, which was huge. You know, I recommend any um, any parent to get their kid into football, you know, soccer and basketball. You know, it's great for footwork. But um, my brother came over from Jamaica, my half-brother, when I was about 13 years old. And that's when And One was a huge hype, you know, huge thing back then. And I saw he, he loved And One. You know, he had the high socks, the headband, the finger sleeves, everything. And I kind of was amazed by him. You know, I'm a British kid with my brother from Jamaica that come over and I just kind of started playing and then the competitiveness come out where I wanted to get into basketball but there was no facilities there was no teams there was no clubs there's no AAU in England there's no high school basketball there's nothing so it was purely just a dream of going to the park playing with my brother every day and I managed to find a club that was about two hours from where I'm from in the south of Kent and my mum would drive me there uh, twice a week. I would get a train down there after school and I would work out for an hour and a half. So I would uh, finish school as we had no basketball in school and I would go two hours down on the train and then work out for an hour and a half and two hours back. And uh, even when I finished that, I was in the park, you know, just dribbling. No, bas- no basketball hoops. There was a football pitch, but concrete for like street football. And I would just be on there dribbling and I used to wear soccer shoes to play basketball and and I got noticed by a scout from Estudiantes, which is in Spain. Um, 
who had a player that was from England. And they were like, oh, there's this tall kid, you know, he's six nine, he's 14 years old, real skinny, and, you know. And he came over and watched me play. And then from there, um, people started getting a buzz. I started playing for the England national team, where we play against, in the European Championships, where we play against other countries, you know, your Spains, your Germany, your France. And when you guys in America think of Europe, that's the, cr- the cream of the crop, France, Spain. Germany, you know, no one thinks of England. Uh, they have no respect. It's just not a not a thing for us. Um, so I ended up just going, kind of how you have your recruitment trips in America. I had to just go to Gran Canaria or to go to Estudiantes, uh, which is in Madrid. Um, and they, I decided to go to Gran Canaria. They took care of me and my family. Um, we decided to go there. And in one year, I caught the attention of the head coach of Duke, the head coach of Kentucky now and, and uh, at the Nike Hoop Summit where the world plays against the USA. Yep. So this time we yep. are, so this time I'm 15 and we're playing against Kevin Love, Patrick Patterson, Derek Rose, OJ Mayo. So now I've, I've gone from never playing an official basketball game to one year in Spain to playing in Memphis Arena, watching Sean Marion play the Suns play against the Memphis Grizzlies. This is all in 18 months. This is how quick it went for me. Wow. And I was... I was picked as the best, the most talented player on the court for the world select team. That was included Nicholas Batum, Omar Caspi, Alex Ajinka, some of the, you know, guys that played in the league. And once I went there, after the game, I, as I said, I had, uh, you know, Tyler Perry, uh, Coach Hezeski talking to me after the game. I had maybe a hundred agents coming up to me. Where are you from? Who's your team? Who's your... And I had nobody. I just was with one guy from Spain that believed that I had what it took and wanted to throw me in the deep end, and it went really well. But with that comes, you know, uh, the ugly side of basketball. I was hidden. You know, I was taken back to Spain. I wasn't allowed to play in any exposure tournaments. I wasn't allowed to play with the national team because this guy realized that he had a gem, and he wanted to keep me for as many years as possible under the radar and then bring me back around draft time, which would have been four years. So for four years, I played in... uh, a bunch of leagues, a bunch of leagues, a bunch of countries, a month here, two months there. I didn't really have a setup like a lot of Europeans. You know, you're like you Luka Dontich, um, those type of guys. I didn't really have that st- structure. I was, uh, I got in with some people that were just thinking about themselves and not about my future. So about one year before I got, one year before I was draft eligible, I met a guy, Daryl Reshaw from Atlanta, who kind of told me what was going on, that, you know, you're being hidden, that, you know, back then there wasn't social media. This is 2000 and eight, seven. It wasn't like it is now, you know? And we left this guy that was kind of managing me poorly. And we went to uh, the European Championships where I think I averaged 30 and 15. We went to uh, the Nike International Tournaments, which I would say is equivalent to like your AAU tournaments. Uh, Then I flew over to Rice University uh, to work out with John Lucas. And I actually remember my first day I got there we were playing uh, five on five with Big Baby, Yao Ming, Steve Francis. And I was, you know, eight, 17 at the time, just out there hooping, you know, doing my thing, feeling myself cocky, confident. And for six weeks, this man made me play only defense on J.R. Smith, Gerald Green, Sean Williams and Big Baby. For six <laughs> weeks. I was not allowed to take a jump shot. I was not allowed to. I didn't shoot jump shots back then, actually. The funny story is his Big Baby actually cracked me in the chest uh, when he was getting ready to come out of LSU. And after that, I didn't want to go in the paint for probably a year. So I developed a jump shot. And then uh, <laughs> that's, that's, that's how I, you know, I, I actually developed a shot because I didn't want any of those problems back then. And I got back in the eye. You know, I got back in the eye of, of scouts, but I wasn't in a typical European program. I wasn't in your Real Madrid, your Barcelona's. I wasn't from a basketball country. So I was an enigma. I was this myth. I was this guy. Like, who is this guy? Seven foot, coast to coast, step backs. You know, no one knew where I was. And I ended up going back to Gran Canaria because I felt safe. And I uh, got loaned out to Switzerland, played six games, and the season was over. So I ended up going to Chicago, working out with some guys. And I luckily, I signed with an agent that managed to get me in the draft combine. And once I got in the draft combine, it was kind of, it was over after that. You know, people were like, we remember this guy from, you know, four years ago at the Hoop Summit, you know, where's he been? And 
there was a lot of red flags, a lot of red flags that I didn't create because I didn't have a team around me. I didn't have a, a group of people that could kind of, that knew the game. Because if you take a kid from France or a kid from Spain, he can ask the Pau Gasols, the Mark Gasols, you know, he can ask the Tony Parkers, he can ask those guys, you know, who is the best. But when you're from a country like England, when there's nobody, who do you go to, you know? And that was the scary, the scary side of it for me. I, I was alone, but I was hungry and I was, and I was ready. I went to the combine and I, I had some of the best workouts some scouts said they'd ever seen. I shot the, you know, the shit out of the ball. Um, the only time I would say I kind of got just destroyed was against Cousins coming out of Kentucky. You know, I think he was 265 and I think I was maybe 220. Um, yeah, he's he's but, destroyed a lot of guys. So so don't don't yeah, take, don't I, be upset or take that personal. I, I, he's I, a I beast. I didn't take it personal, but you know, <laughs> I, I, was, I, was, I was running through guys that were, you know, these top top 10, top 20 players. And to me, you got to remember, I was playing with Kevin Love. I was playing with um, with those guys before, you know. So to me, I'm seeing those guys, big baby. I'm seeing those guys getting their second contract. So my confidence was through the roof because I'm going against guys that are my age or a little bit older. You know, I was 19 at the time. So I ended up getting drafted late round to the Spurs. Uh, I actually needed double shoulder surgery, which they knew and they still picked me, which was surprising. Um and I was there for the whole season with them. I rehabbed. I had double shoulder surgery. I rehabbed. And then the NBA lockout came. And once the lockout came, I kind of, I got distracted. You know, I followed the money. You know, I was do. I did, I, I did this for like six years with no guidance, with no real, no one to really take me under their wing and kind of show me the way. And I just chased the money. You know, I, I, I wherever there was cash, I went. I didn't really make any decisions. For my career-wise, I would say, it was more so, hey, we're going to play you 30 minutes and you're going to start. We can give you 15 grand a month. And another team would be like, yo, we want you to back this guy up. We'll give you 30. And I would go for that job. You know, I didn't really have any guidance minus the money and securing my, my future because, as I said, basketball was not a, it's not a basketball country. You know, you don't, you don't earn a future. You don't buy a house. You don't earn a... You you can't retire on an island by playing basketball. That's kind of the you know the image. And partly of that, I, I regret because of, I could have maybe had a different career. But you know you can't look back and regret on certain things. So after that, I I went to every summer I went to the summer league with the Spurs, and I had some good games. You know I had some good games. I, I had some good experiences, but I didn't really get my chance. Every year they were redrafting, and then you know I kind of got pushed back, pushed back, pushed back. And the saddest part of it was I didn't know that. Um, that you have to, that your rights get, you know, they can only hold your rights for a certain amount of years. Um, when you get drafted, you're not actually signed. And I met another agent that kind of broke that down to me when I was about 23, 24. And at that time, I was I was pretty heavy in Asia. I was playing there in Iran, where uh, I did very well. And I went to Dubai. I went to China. I just chased the money, you know, because like you said, boss was not... It, if I didn't do that and I look at the situation now with COVID, I don't know where I'd be, if I'm honest with you. Um, and, and, and after that, you know, I had some more injuries and stuff, but, but, I, but I, I've, I've learned to step back and look at my life and look at what I've achieved for where I'm from. You know, for America, a lot of guys get drafted, right? That's not a huge thing. Um, a lot of guys go to training camp. A lot of guys go to summer league. So for me, at a young age, I'm in the gym with these, these, these all Americans with these, you know, my mentality is, is as of an American, right? My mentality is not as a European player. I'm not thinking, let me stay in Europe till I'm 22, 23, because I never had a home. I wasn't part of a Spanish club. I wasn't part of a French or a German club. I was kind of just drifting. I was out there and I was like, look, big baby's making this. Uh, Derek Faber's making this. Cousins making, it. I, I should be making that. And I didn't really, Trust the process, if you want to call that. But I didn't have a process. To, I didn't have a process to come. It from. wasn't. A, it wasn't a process that you you weren't even given a process. So exactly, you know, when people, you know, they look at my highlights, they look at me as a player, they play with me, and they say, "Fuck, dude," you know. But if nobody, you know, and that's why I'm doing my thing now, you know, in England, where I'm finding talent and, and showing it the path. You know, as you can say, Lauren, you must have played with some players that are extremely talented, but they didn't make it. But I'm pretty sure they didn't make it because of. It wasn't because they wasn't in the eye, the, the eye, or they wasn't in AAU, or they wasn't in college basketball. It was off-court issues, you know. It was maybe something went wrong, or maybe an injury. But 
for me, it was like, where, where do you go? It's like, you're from England. So if you're not going to be in the NBA, once you, you don't make the roster, where do you go? You know, if I go to Spain, I'm not Spanish. You know, I'm not an American. You know, I'm seen as a European. And I didn't go through the European system. I kind of did it my own way. And, and people didn't like that. It was an unknown. Europe, they like to control a lot of things. They like to know, oh, well, this kid went here for two years and he played Leb Gold and now he's playing Leb. You know, they like to, everybody likes that in life. You know, they like to, to understand somebody and see it. But I never had a path. And I think hugely, you know, I believe I'm an NBA talent. I believe I was an NBA player. But the matter of fact is, is you can have all the talent in the world. If you're not in the eye and you don't have vets or elders in mm -hmm. your life, you get lost. For sure. And, For sure. Yeah. And that's where, you know, even when I met you, you know, we had good talks and we was together and I think you was maybe pushing 40 then. And I was, you know, 23, 24. And we had Sam, uh, I think Sam Vincent, right? Was mm -hmm. our coach. Sam Vincent, yep. And they were like, damn, you know, dude, you got it. You got it. But to me... From the Boston Celtics, shout out to Sam Vincent. Yes, sir. And then, you know, for me, you guys are telling me that I got a chance or, you know, yo, you should. But I've, I've already been doing this for nine years now. You know, I've already been trying and I haven't really got any, I haven't really got anywhere, not because of, you know, my talent, but because I haven't understand, I didn't understand the steps, you know. So coming from Europe, I think I'm very unique. I don't think there's anyone you could ever say from Europe is the same mentality of kind of, you got to eat and you got to, you know, you got to kind of, you got to get it how you get it. You know, you got to, you got to eat yourself because from those big countries, like I keep mentioning, there's a foundation, there's guys to look up to and every kid needs someone to look up to. Every kid needs someone to say, yo, you need to be in a gym. Hey, you need to be here. Hey, you need to be there. Um, but when you're the best in your age and there's no path, it's, it's, it's scary, you know, but it managed to have a great career. I managed to make a lot of money. I managed to take care of my family. I managed to see the world and I'm truly blessed. But I do look back sometimes and say, damn, you know, what if I would have met someone like you when I was 19, 18, you know? What if I would have met uh, some of the vets I've met along my way? Um, but I think that's me. Talking about the difference between a European player, a European mindset, and an American mindset is belief. You Americans, man, you believe you're the greatest thing. <laughs> you know, no one can tell you you're not the best, you know? Mm -hmm. Um Yep. You believe that that's in you. You're breaded. You're hungry. And you know, I was, I was, that was put into me as a kid. Um, that, that hungry, you know, you got to be the best. No one's going to give you anything growing up, you know, mixed race in the UK, you know, in a white area. It's not, it's not a white privileged area. You know, it was, it was tough. You got to get it, you know, uh, it's a dog eat dog world. That's how I was raised. So I fitted in the American system and it, it did me well. And in the European system, it's belief. You know, you don't believe in yourself. You know, you don't believe, you don't believe you have that confidence. I think it's very rare you get some real special European talents. You know, you get your Luka Doncic, you get your Jokic, you get those guys who just believe, you know. Um, but you get a lot of European players that come over and you see it doesn't work in the States and they get labeled soft, but I wouldn't call them soft. I, I, I just think it's, it's a different game, man. It's just a real, it's a real different game and you gotta be, you gotta be a different, you gotta be in a different mindset and, and, and you gotta be exposed to things at a youth, you know, at a young age. Um, but that being said, like I said again, man, it's it's been you know I'm 29. I still got years to play, but my journey was you know very unique. I don't I don't think you could ever find one that's the same. Um, but it's it, it, I would compare it just that belief, man. I've seen guys in the gym in America. I've seen someone score 40 of them. And they still go home and believe they're the best player in their gym that day. You know, oh, yeah. nobody can tell, no one can tell them <laughs> different. And, and I respect that. You know, for me, I'm never going to tell you I was better than me. But if a man has the best of me on the day, I'll sit here and say, okay, the guy, he had a better day than me today. He got um, me. He got me. I'm nice, yeah, but he it, got me today. He got me. Yeah, he got, yeah, he got yeah. me. And I think, I think in Europe, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's all about paths. It's paths and it's teams and it's it, it's looking up to someone. I think every kid needs someone to look up to. Every kid, but when you're from a country that there's no basketball, there's no one to look up to. How do you how how do you you know how do you how do you do that? How do you trust anybody? You know how do you you know? And it was tough for me, but again, insane experience. I think I've played for over 25 teams now. I've seen the world, and that all came that all came from you know uh, basketball with no facilities with no exposure with no social media you know now a kid can be balling out there 
at lifetime fitness and he can go somewhere. You know, a kid can be hooping in, uh, in Africa and he can put his videos online and they're like, Oh shit. Yep. And I think that's yep. the beauty of the game today. You know, you can, kids are going to work. Like I tell these kids I work with now, I'm like, Oh, just, just work. There's no hiding anymore. You know, if you've got it, you've got it. You know, like if, if we've got it, people are going to see it. You're not going to go under the radar, but a, a lot of players went under the radar and back in my time. A lot of guys just never got there or they never got the exposure. Um, and I don't think that's the case in America. I think, I think I, I love it when you've got the Damian Lillards, you know, you've got the CJ McCollins, the guys that went to small schools that people didn't even rate or, you know, they wasn't top 100. Um, so even America, they say is the best at, at, at finding talent and as a country. I think you got, you miss a lot of players too. Yeah. And I think in Europe, we miss even more. There's, yeah, there's only sure. a certain, there's only a certain space for European players. I don't think you can find a team in, in the NBA. Uh, and correct me if I'm wrong. That is majority let's say European or international. I think more the so Spurs. now. Oh, and the Raptors. Spurs. Yeah, there you go. Spurs, <laughs> Spurs, and, Spurs and Raptors, exactly. Spurs and Raptors, that's pretty much it, man. Other than that, Dallas is trying to do that, but. Yeah, exactly. But I think it's, I think now it's, a, I think in those early, you know, the 2010s early, there was a lot of busts, man. There was a lot of European busts, you know. Uh, I remember Yar Mahimi was there before I was there and they were scared to sign any European players for a while, you know. They were getting pressure from above to, you know, try to get some some seniors that are, you know, been in college for four years and stuff. And and and, and they were saying, you know, they take the risks in the second round, um, but in the first round, there's that pressure, you know, with these NBA teams. They got to, they got to, especially these first year GMs. I mean, if it's me, uh, like, what do you think about that draft with with uh, the Suns? Would you have took? You've played, you've played obviously all over. You played Euroleague, you know, you've played all over the world, NBA. Would you have took Luca if you were the Suns, or would you have took Aiden? Well, see, I mean, this is the thing when you when you talk about um, when you talk about a lot of the GMs. I mean, we always criticize, and I'm not talking about we as basketball players, but just period. You know, we criticize the people when they don't make the the seems like the obvious decision five years later, mm-hmm. ten years later. You know what I mean? It seemed like the obvious decision. To take, you know, Luca number one now, yeah, you know, over everybody, right? Now it seems like that's the obvious decision, but you know, three, four, five years ago, probably wasn't as obvious. You, you get what I'm saying? So, you know, I, I, it's a tough job. It's a very, very tough job to be able to scout thousands of players every year and then pick one or two. And think about like yeah. you got drafted and you were one of those however many thousands of players that were being scouted that particular year, you know, and then you made the top how many teams in the NBA? 60? I'm sorry, 30? So 60 yeah. draft picks and you made the top 60 that year, you know. And I'm glad you brought a lot of this stuff up because you talk about being from the UK. You talk about, um, you know, the disadvantages you had. I mean, you guys didn't even have club club team or AAU team. And I and I, I damn well know for sure if you would have grown up in the States being 6'9 at 14, you would have been on an AAU team. Your parents would have been taken care of. You know, you yep, for sure had yep. the, the school that you would have gone to for one year. And then you would have gone pro the next year. And, you know, being a 6'11", 7-foot guy that can do what you do, you know, a top 10 pick, most likely. So, you know, that that's a huge disadvantage that you had. You had to overcome, you know, but also an advantage you had. You're, you're right in the European mix. If you don't make the NBA, you got a European passport. You're right there. So you talked about that. I loved it. So let's talk about some of these regions that you played in. You know, you played in the USA. You played in Europe. You played in Asia. You know, talk about some of these regions. And the reason I want you to, to, to really um, it, you know, just give your opinion on on the different regions and how they differ is because, you know, I'm around a ton of guys who yeah. con- who easily believe, you know, again, like you said, you know, being from America, we think that we are the shit in everything, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. and for good reason. I mean, we created Google, man. Like, how can you be mad for that? We created Google and the iPhone. Come on, man. I mean, we, the country is 350 years old, but I guess, yeah, it's the shit. You I mean, know? My fiance is American. We go back and forth every day. Yeah, this, see, but... every day. And, and see, I, I just gave her some ammunition, man. Google and the iPhone. I mean, period. Just chalk it up. So, <laughs> but, but listen, the, the funny thing is, like, um, and it's not funny. I mean, we're talking about, like, good players. We, we have thousands and thousands of players every year that 
are really good. I mean, could be good players or whatever. But what I know for a fact is everybody's not good enough to play pro. Everybody's good enough Mm -hmm. to maybe get a shot. That's for sure. Or to get seen. But everybody's just not good enough to play. And you played in different regions. And I always hear guys say, oh, man, if I if I could play in Mexico, man, I'd score in like 25 a game. And I'm just looking like, dude, it's not that easy. You know, it's not that easy to go anywhere and think that you're just going to carry a team or like be that guy. And you're a guy who's been all over the world and play. Talk about well, first, talk about your favorite place. Let's talk about your favorite place that, that you love to play. Second, talk about the differences, you know, between a couple of regions, just so guys really understand, yeah. you know, how it is. I mean, for me, I would say I grew up in basketball. I grew up in, you know, I left school at 15 and was a professional and I just kind of learned on the fly, right? So obviously now being nearly 30, I look at the NBA and say, man, I wish I was taken care of. I wish I was taking what LeBron's taken and I wish, you know, and whatever being a jared dudley and chilling on the bench you know what i mean like i look at that now i'd be like hey that'd be great but at the time of 19 when i was at the nba you gotta be hungry right so you're believing that you're better tim duncan was on the team i believe i believe that was better than him i believe that was quicker than him i was faster than him. i, I believe that you know no one could tell me different and you know i didn't know you gotta wait your time you know there's a plan you know uh we brought tiago splitter over at that time, you know, he came over six years after being in Europe. There's, there's a wait in order, you know, you got to, you got to wait. So the NBA to me was, was a dream, but I, I didn't live the dream. I didn't, I didn't take in every day. I just wanted to get healthy and get back and play. And I just, I just believed that I could have been out there. I also believe the Spurs is a very, very unique organization. It's someone you've got to, you've got to be a certain player, a person to be a spur. You can't, how can I word it? You can go to certain teams in the NBA and be that good that you create your own niche, your own your own home, you know. But Spurs, you know, it's get here and fit in, you know, fit in or get out kind of thing. Um, as far as Europe, I think I, I, put, I put it down to this with, with, with all three, right? Europe, Asian. And I only learned this until I would honestly say maybe 2026, 20, so three years ago. The first years I was a nightmare. You, you. When you come to another country, it's about fitting into that culture. You know, it's not about you believe you this nice and you're that and you're this. It's how you carry yourself. It's how you lift up other players. It's knowing that in Asia, let's go on Asia, right? Some players, as you know, they don't play full time, right? They're they're semi pro. They have a job and and they play basketball. Some of these guys. Some of these guys, it's their life. It's their everything for them. It's their only way of getting out of their country to go overseas and play, and they put everything into it. So it's dealing with personalities. You're coming in as an import, and if you don't perform, normally the contracts in Asia are not guaranteed, very rarely. If you don't perform, they'll change you in a heartbeat. They're paying you enough money where, you know, it's no problem for them to pay you and get rid of you and bring in a new guy. So if you're a player that likes to have you control your own kind of career, you're going to play 40 minutes. You know, you're going to play a lot. But to get the real bag in Asia, you need a resume, right? You need to have played in Europe, some sort of an NBA stamp. This is, this is you know, five, six years ago I'm talking. So in Asia, I think it's going to – and I get on my missus about this. You know, you Americans, you don't like to change. You know, you like to be you because you are, as you said, greatest country in the world, right? As you believe. So, that's, that's, well, what, do, what do you believe? What, what do you believe? I don't believe that. I, I don't believe that. <laughs> but, hey, but to me, you, you, you have to fit in. It doesn't matter if you go in a gym and say, these guys are trash. They're fucking bums. Yo, I'm fucking nice. I'm this, I'm that, I'm this. When America, a lot of overseas Americans, they come to an, a new team because I've played so many. It's, they're, they're different. They're not the same guy they are in the States. They're putting on a persona, a front. They're trying to come across hard or tough. You've got to absorb and embrace the culture of whatever country you're in. Try to learn the language. You know, help the young guys on the team. You know, um, don't get offended by things that they might be or come across because you're coming into their home. I'm not going to come into your house and do what the fuck I want, am I? I'm going to be respectful and I'm at, and that carries into the professional side. And a lot of players don't know that. They think, yo, I'm the American or I'm the import. I do what the fuck I want. I'm going to shoot 40 times. Yeah, that can work. You can make all your shots so they can go in and you can win and you can play well and maybe you'll win a championship. But it's the relationships and it's the acceptance of you know, if you make the coach feel like he's doing a good job or the assistants and you're listening to him, if you can embrace all that, you'll have a very rich, healthy career in Asia. But I will say that it helps to have a name to get to Asia, in my opinion, right? Now, going over to Europe, 
it's uh, it's a lot of politics, man. There's a lot of there's a lot of buyouts. So young guys have large buyouts, NBA buyouts. So they want to promote and push. For example, let's say you have a player that's uh, 20 years old, right? Uh, 18, 20 years old, and he has he has NBA potential. And if he gets drafted this upcoming year, he needs to play. So he needs to be on a stage. So your minutes might be limited. You might be taking a step back to let this guy play. If he gets drafted, if he gets picked up, then the team gets $2 million, right? The NBA, I think, I don't know what it is now, but back then they could pay half a million dollars and then you have to find the rest of the money. So it's a business. You know, it's 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 a lot more fans. The fans are involved a lot more. It's It's doing the right thing. But I don't believe that it's about basketball only when you're being a professional. You know, they say take care of your body and eat right and this, but it's playing the game. It's just like any business or any real job you have. It's not like you can't come into a, a day in the office, you know, and your boss is telling you to get him a, you know, uh, let's say an English muffin for the sake of me being British, an English muffin and a cup of tea. You can't say, oh, fuck, no, I don't do that shit. You know, you've got to play the game. And that is where I think in Europe, there's a pedestal, you know, even if there's a guy on your team that's a vet and he doesn't even play, but he's had some great history with the club or he's done some great things with the club. And you know, he's trash, you know, he's terrible. You know, this guy can't hold you in practice or that, but you see how the team respects him. You see how the fans respect him. So it's coming in and it's, it's being a part of something bigger than you with every country you go to, I believe every league you go to, but I think that answers your question, man, from my side of my view of how I see it. But from my experiences, for me, it's Iran. Iran was the best place I played by far. Nice, uh, nice. I played there far. too. Tehran yeah. was crazy, man. It was it was like yeah. New York City. You, you were a legend I mean? out without there. The yeah, night, legends, without that man. kind of yeah. nightlife, you know, like the public nightlife. But it was, man, it was all Behind right. The doors. food, the, the experience was great. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It was, uh, to me, it was, it was, you know, financially was great. The competition was good. You know, it, it, it opened up gateways and doorways to China where, you know, the, you know, you know, you can get a real bag over there. So to me, I loved it. I was there for like four years. Um, and I fitted in because I accept, I was older. I was at 24 at the time. So I learned to understand, you know, someone else's culture. You know, I learned to understand that, you know, hey, I can make a real good career here. If I do, if I win games and I do my job and I'm a professional and I, I, I'm likable and I'm coachable, no matter whether the coach is terrible or not. I could uh, I could hang around there and make some real money. So to me, I did very well there. Yeah, that's what's up, man. And that's a great answer. And I'm glad you brought a lot of that stuff up about being um, being a part of something bigger than yourself and and being about um, you know and playing the game. You know, and we've we've had a lot of guys come on the show and and say the same thing. A lot of like bona fide professional athletes and basketball players and coaches say, "Look, you gotta you gotta understand that you go somewhere, um, you you have to 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 embrace that culture, or be you know be uh, fully immersed in in the environment, yeah. and stuff like that, man." So so I'm, I'm glad you say that. And I'm looking, and don't look at the next step. Don't don't look at where am I going next year. Don't look at yo. I'm gonna make this much next year. Don't think about that. Because that's where you start going wrong. I used to do that when I was younger. Oh, I'm making this much this year, but next year I'll make this much and I'm going to go here and I'm going to go there. Enjoy it because it's so short. Like, you know, you played for a long time. You know, you played till late 40s, right? Sorry, uh, late 30s. Whoa, right? I'm 42 <laughs> now. Good <laughs> God, man. Late 30s, <laughs> bad, man. 17 bad. years. Jesus Christ, man. I just remember, in, I, remember uh, I think at halftime you was getting the cryotherapy yeah. <laughs> in Bahrain. So I think at halftime. So that's what I'm remembering. So. Hey, man, you ain't, I had to do everything I had to do to keep up with you young bucks, man. I was doing all I was. You, I, I had never iced before, like before games, after games. I'm <laughs> stretching at halftime. I was like, what is going on? Keeping up with you man, young you, whippersnappers. You you asked me to come. You said, yo, you want to come? You want to come? I said, nah, man, I'm good. Oh, man. Now, if you ask me to come, I'll be the first one to. Oh, 100%, man. Hey, look, we're getting short yeah, on yeah. time, man. So, you know, cool, I'm, cool. I'm just going to, I've got one more question for you, man. And I know a lot of guys um, think that, you know, get, getting paid to play is is great, you know, and, and, it's, and it's, that's it. Like, it's all sweet, you know, and, and that, that's yeah. what the perception is, man. But I know you've had some negative moments in your career. Um, you know, what are some of the biggest challenges that you faced and how did you overcome them biggest challenges for me was injuries you know i've had a fair few amount of injuries um but the way i overcome them was by you know learning why i'm getting injured kind of looking in the mirror 
you know, it was the same injuries, you know, it wasn't anything new and it was really kind of being professional as far as, you know, you're seven foot, you know, you're a big guy, you move well, you know, what do you need? What do you need to, you know, not have ankle problems or back problems or calf, you know, and, and it was, it was really looking in a mirror and seeing how I could do it. And I didn't do it until my body started breaking down. When my body started breaking down, then I realized, I wish I had someone say, yo, look up at your body in your twenties, because then when you get to your thirties, it's a breeze or it's a lot easier, you know? So that's, that's the biggest thing to me. It was, it was being drafted, thinking I'm going down to San Antonio, having my press conference ready, failing my medical and them telling me they're not going to sign me for the season. I think, I, man, I cried. I cried like a baby, man. I, I think I smashed up the whole, I, I think I did. I smashed up my hotel room. I was, you know, in tears, man. Uh, I had a ticket ready for mom to fly out, everything. You know, it was devastating. But but I had to get surgery and get healthy to pass medical before they picked me up, you know. Um, so that was the hardest thing for me. And how I picked myself up, if I'm honest, was, was, was using that as fuel, you know, to prove to them, like, hey, you know, I deserve to be on this team. Um... But yeah, that, that that that's what I would say. It's injuries, and then and then looking in the mirror and and and, and just maturing, man. You know, your body, your health's your wealth. Your body's your temple. You know, if your body starts breaking down or something's not working, it's just a matter of time. You know, before the whole thing collapses. So that's what I would say, man. Man, that that's a, that's a great knowledge that I think. All, all players, especially young players, because a lot of young players, they, they don't get injured. And, and only people that have been injured can truly understand um, the magnitude um, of how hard it is to get back and how much it can affect your career, man. So I'm, I'm so glad that that you brought that up and, and it, it could it could change significantly change your career. And I've seen some players, you know, have that one major injury and, and their life changes. You know, and and but but for the for the worse, you know, like there's no more basketball. There's, you know, they 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 can't figure out what to do or or you know how to to take their um take whatever career or whatever uh, ideas they have to the next level to be you know successful in, in other areas. And and fortunately enough for you, you yeah maybe you didn't play for for the Spurs and and they thought that um you know like you, you weren't going to recover as as well as as you did and you know now look at it um 6 7 years later uh still playing still doing your thing you know still balling balling out of control which I love it man but hey tell tell everybody how to find you on social media man just in case anybody's got any other questions for you I got hey so look, any any guys out there that want to you know advice I want to help you you know I want you guys to be better than me do better than me you know, I played everywhere, you know, especially from the European side, I can help. I can give kids and people a path. So Ryan Richards, of course, the original underscore geezer. Uh, I don't know if you Americans can spell that, but hopefully you can. Uh, <laughs> and uh, but yeah, find me, man. Social hey, man, you, 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 you're taking like, I, I told you, we, we we brought Google and we brought the iPhone and, and you're going to try to, what, what's up, man? You've been taking a lot of shots at us, man. What's up? Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm married to an American, so I made a mistake, man. And, and <laughs> I, I, I get it every I get it every day. So I got to, you know, I got to fight for myself. But uh, no, like any hoopers that want advice, they want to reach out to me. I've been there. I've lived there. I've done it. Lauren done it. He's done it too, you know, and he's done it better than I have, you know. So it's, it's about asking. It's about reaching out. Don't be too cool to reach out and to ask. But the biggest thing is take care of yourself. Think of a plan B. I know it's not nice to think of a plan B, but, you know, take care of yourself. Think of a plan B and reach out. Don't be scared to ask. Don't be scared to say, yo, but you got to buy in. you got to buy in anywhere you go. Anywhere you go, buy in. And enjoy the moment. Enjoy being there for that moment. And worry about next season, next season in the summertime. But Ryan Richards, Facebook, Ryan Richards, Twitter, and Original Geezer on Instagram. I love it, man. Hey, and and listen to what Ryan said. Definitely reach out to him, you know, with any questions because, uh, you know, like he's got a story that's very, very, that's very different from a, a lot of the guests that we've had, uh, again, because of the being in Europe, 
being in a in a city that didn't have AAU, you know, having to go play in the park, having to, you know, just be seen and 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 saying, which I'm so glad that that you know you were so candid about the experience. You didn't know which way to go. You didn't have the guidance. You didn't have um, the knowledge back then, but you have the knowledge now, and you can help pull somebody else through so they don't have to go through the same things you have, man. Ryan, hey, I appreciate everything, man. It's been an awesome show. Um, you know, be well out there. Be safe. And we'll talk soon, my guy. 100%, brother. Look after yourself. Yes, sir. Well, there you have it, man. And, you know, like one thing that I love about Ryan's story, Ryan's story is is something that's like, um, you know, it, it's, it's so unique in, in one aspect. I mean, it's very similar to a lot of stories of a lot of guys um, that's in the U.S., um, with the exception of, you know, when Ryan, you know, going through all the battles, going through the, going through the tough times, going through the injuries, going through all that. But in Ryan's case, when Ryan was sick, you know, when, when I was 14, I was six, nine, you know, Ryan and myself are the same height. You know, I'm seven foot, seven feet. Um, Ryan's about seven feet. Ryan might be about six, 11. I don't know. You know, we might have to check his height, but you know, um, going, you know, when I was six, nine, 14 years old, you know, I had already played AAU for two years. You know, I had already been on a team that won the AAU national championship. I already had that exposure. You know, then I went to a high profile high school that had a coach that kind of knew the way he, you know, I had that guidance because he had already had all Americans and he had already had players that had gone division one and that had played, you know, um, high level. So, I had that guidance, but Ryan didn't even have that, man. Ryan was, you know, he he was 6'9", 14, and dribbling in a park that didn't have no baskets, no rims, and, um, you know, got found out that way. <laughs> like, how, where, where, how does that happen? There's no way that that, that, that would happen nowadays, man. Anybody 6'9", I don't care where you're from, they're going to find you. Like you said, man, you'd be in Africa somewhere, walking around Africa about 6'10", at 11 years old. Boy, you'd be in... You'd be in, in, uh, on the first thing, smoking to the States on somebody's AAU program or somebody's, um, you know, prep school. But, you know, he, he got seen like that. Then, you know, went to Spain, was like, was just a young kid playing pro when he was 16, 15, 16 years old. And, you know, then played in the Hoop Summit. I played in the Hoop Summit. I remember, you know, it was ballers in the Hoop Summit, the world, all world team against the all USA team. Um, you know, with some ballers out there. And, and, you know, he named a few names. You know, the guys that that played in the NBA and, and had long, very successful careers. And he was right up there with him. And, you know, it's, it's just everybody's got a tough story. You know, it's, it's some people that 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 have have that that way that's paid for them. And, um, you know, they have the guidance from the beginning and they have the, the exposure from the beginning. And it's a little bit easier path. You know, it's not easy. It's just a little bit easier than if you don't have that. So that's one thing, man. Another thing is the advice that he gave about being a a professional, you know, and mind you, he's not from the States. You know, he spent a lot of time in the States training, you know, got drafted by the Spurs, um, you know, but he he spent most of, you know, a lot of his time in Europe, playing in Europe and Asia. But even coming from the UK and knowing being in a different environment, he's got a totally different attitude. You know, like he he already said it, like, you know, Americans, we come in thinking that we the shit. I don't care where we are. It's like, nah, you know, I'm, whatever. I mean, I, I'm, I'm the same way right now at 42. I don't care what game I'm playing. I don't care if it's a video game. I don't care if you give me a, a tennis racket. I don't care if you give me anything that's a game. I think I'm going to be the best at it if I'm not already the best at it. You know, that's just a part of being American. So I'm not going to apologize for that. I actually love it. But, you know, like one thing that he said, it was great advice. It's about fitting into the culture, no matter where you go. And he he's from the UK, you know, and, and his his whole thing, he, he went from the UK to Spain and then Spain to, you know, USA and then USA back to Europe and then Europe back to, you know, to the Middle East, to Iran. And then, you know, like I played it, I played um, on the same team with him in Bahrain. And then he went from there and went, you know, went, um, you know, to other places. So. We're talking about a guy who's been around the world. And if if he, this one thing that he said, you got to do, got to fit into other people's culture. It's about being a part of something bigger than you. Absorb, embrace everything. 
any anytime you get into these situations where you know you have to you got to be somewhere where you're not used to being where you're not comfortable being if you know if you're an american and you leave the states for the first time and go play in in iran you know that's that's a whole different environment man but it's about fitting in being a part of something bigger man and it's not always about basketball. That's one thing that he said, and, and everybody that we've had on the show has, has said this, and they've been in agreement. It, it is a business. It's not just a game. It's a business, and it's political. I mean, you could be playing. I've seen this before for sure. You could be playing behind a guy who's like a young guy for that that country, and and that young guy needs to get promoted because that young guy is is, is the, the future. So you might be playing behind that guy or be splitting time with that guy, and you have to to understand that this is not about just you, you know, because you, you're in somebody else's country. You are to go there to help them out. You're, you're, you're in that situation to be like, um, you know, a guy who, who's going to be the support system, you know, and a lot of times, you know, being from America, I've, I've been in a situation before. I've gone into situations, but like, no, I'm the guy. I want to be the number one option. I want to be this. And in all actuality is I'm the guy that's going to go and help the team. I'm that I'm the guy that they brought in to help the team win. You know, it's not about my team. It's about helping the team. So, you know, a lot of stuff happens, man. It's not just basketball. It's, it's a business and it can be political. Just keep that in mind. Anyway, man, you know, anybody who can benefit from from the show, please share it. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're out to try to try to help as many people as we can, man, help as many young ballers, help old ballers, you know, help anybody um, find their way in this in this game, in this game, this basketball game, this game of life, whatever. We're here to help. Got any questions, anything that you want to talk about, anything that you want me to address? Shoot me a message. My personal IG. Mr. Lauren Woods, M-R-L-O-R-E-N-W-O-O-D-S. That's on IG. Oh, and on Twitter. Same. Or you can send a message to mglow underscore U-S. I-M-G-L-L-O underscore U-S. IG and Twitter. Other than that, y'all stay fortunate and be blessed. I'll take days off, do I? Do I? When my number is called. I'll take plays off, do I? Do I? I'ma always give you 20 and 10. No matter how much you wanna pretend that I ain't clutch with it. I'll do the load management. Maybe I can handle it. When the heat is on, I can manage it. I'm kinda like James Harden's career. I can walk whenever I feel. And that's facts. It's like the clock's ticking down a notch.